Welcome to the BizTimes MKE Podcast. I'm Arthur Thomas, an associate editor at BizTimes Media. I'm joined on this week's episode by Jim Page from Milwaukee 7. Uh, starting July 1st, Jim will be executive director and senior vice president for corporate attraction at Milwaukee 7, um, taking on a bigger role at the organization that is the region's economic development um, entity. So Jim, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Arthur. Always a pleasure to speak with you. So let's start here with Milwaukee 7. For those who may not be familiar, maybe they've heard about it, you know, they've heard the name, but they don't know what exactly does Milwaukee 7 do? What, what What's the organization do? So Milwaukee 7, we're the regional economic development entity for southeastern Wisconsin. So the 7 in our name uh, refers to the seven counties that comprise the region. So we're a private nonprofit entity. Uh, we're funded primarily by a number of different companies that have operations here in southeastern Wisconsin. Uh, a lot of different things uh, that M7 works on. So uh, the part of the organization that I've overseen for 16 years since it was founded is the corporate attraction and expansion space. So it's working directly with companies real-time opportunities uh, to, to bring jobs and capital investment here, essentially to try to grow the region's economic pie larger. But that's just one piece of what we do. We also have uh, a number of different talent initiatives. We've been deeply involved in entrepreneurship, a number of other things. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit about us and who we are. All righty. So your role has been focused on bringing companies into the region, um, keeping companies here who are looking to expand, that, that kind of thing. How does your role you know, change maybe expand as you move into a new job as executive director um, in addition to the senior vice president role you have? Sure. Yeah, I, I think a, a big part of my job probably won't change much at all. So again, the corporate attraction and expansion um, work that we do, it's pretty important to a number of the investors that we have. And, and we also think it's an important role just for us to play in general, specific to the other partners that we work with. So whether it's the state, uh, WEDC, the governor's office, irrespective of who's in that chair at a given time. And then of course, all of our state and local, or excuse me, our local county municipal partners that we work with. So that work uh, it is important to them. They expect us to do it. So I would expect that my role there will continue to be pretty much as it was, but then there'll be some other things in terms of strategy uh, and other aspects of the organization that I'll probably get more involved in than I've been in the past. All right. So the major area of areas of emphasis for M7, you kind of touched on a little bit, the you know corporate attraction, talent pieces, other things. Um, how do you maybe see that kind of evolving going forward and how has that maybe changed over time since you know uh, m7 was founded back in the mid 2000s yeah great question and, and some of this evolves over time as we start to think about our place uh, in southeastern wisconsin and the broader global economy what is it that companies need to be successful and really how do we think about ways in which we can spread prosperity to pretty much every corner of the region so you know, I think back to, to 2005 and when we first got started in this work, um, one common thread that we've heard from beginning uh, right from then in 2005, and we certainly hear today, it's talent. Uh, it's can companies find the people that they need to make the enterprise go? Uh, but what, I, what we have seen though over that period of time is that talent need has changed. And so as, as businesses have, has evolved, as the economy has evolved, 
there's um, a different type of subset of workers that are a premium for companies and the kind of, kind of talent that they really need. So I'll use Milwaukee Tool as an example. So that's a company that we've worked with on a number of different projects going back more than a decade. And that's a company that despite having manufacturing production presence here in the region, most of their talent needs are around white collar jobs. So it's uh, engineers, software engineers, people that can build embedded systems that go into the tools, uh, testing people, uh, electrical engineers, a number of different technical types of positions. So what we have to balance at the on the M7 side is really the talent need that a company like that companies like Rockwell, Northwestern Mutual, folks that have that deep need for technical talent, but balancing that against the idea that we, we also want to have jobs along a full continuum of skill levels. So um, not everybody uh, is, is set up to be an electrical engineer. I can speak from experience. Uh, that was a part of the campus when I was an undergraduate uh, uh, many, many decades ago that I stayed away from. Um, but that being said, uh, we, we gotta have jobs then along that continuum for lots of other folks. And so I look at all the work that we've done with Amazon over the last number of years, uh, work that we've done with a number of different manufacturers that require shop floor talent, so welders, machinists, there's still a need for that, but the evolution has really come in terms of just a much stronger need for folks on that white collar side, the technical people that I spoke about. Mm -hmm. How does the work of um, talent attraction, it's probably talent attraction and talent development, um, how does that differ from, you know, from the corporate attraction piece where the talent thing is certainly a, a major part of their equation as they're looking at, you know, locating somewhere or expanding somewhere. But how does that work different, right? I mean, you can offer maybe tax incentives to help draw a company to a region. You can show them the best of what you have, but you can't exactly go door to door and knock on people's doors and say, hey, come move to Milwaukee. You know, it's it it doesn't quite work one for one there to be able to, you know, attract people into the region. Uh, how are those two, you know, kind of pieces of work different? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And depending on who you ask, you might get some different answers to this. And and for us too, it's, it's a question that the answer continues to evolve. But I think one of the premises that we start with, it was true 15 years ago and it's true today. Um, when people are making decisions, so individuals are making decisions about where they wanna live, that's a big decision. So there are some places in the world that can draw people without them necessarily having to have a position in that place. So there's just something about that location that the individual says, hey, I just wanna live there. So I'll figure out the job thing once I get there, but that is a rare exception. Most people will go someplace for economic opportunity and so you have to be able to present them with a job. And much more likely then is you also have to present them with what we call a thickness of opportunity. So if you recruit a, uh, a financial analyst who goes to work for SC Johnson, um, so they're gonna uproot their family or, or come themselves, they're gonna change all their patterns and all their habits, and they're gonna come to Southeastern Wisconsin to work for SCJ they chances are if they're smart they need to see that hey if it doesn't work out at sc johnson i need to see that there's six seven eight nine other places that are comparable where i could work if i do that and so for us it really starts with 
creating economic opportunity. So think about the work that I mentioned on the corporate attraction and, and expansion side. That's why that work is important to us, is we want to grow the amount of economic opportunity that exists collectively among all the companies in southeastern Wisconsin. If we can do that, then we become a destination for talent. And, and you know, sometimes people, you know, they, when, we, when we talk about that, we, we think about being a destination drawing from all over the United States. Very few places can draw talent from across the United States. And that's not just true of Wisconsin, it's true of Texas, it's true of Arizona, it's true of South Carolina and on down the line. But can we draw talent from Illinois? Can we draw talent from Michigan and from Indiana and the other Great Lakes states? So you get a terrific engineer, she's been educated at Purdue down in West Lafayette. Do I like my chances of being able to attract her to come to live in Southeastern Wisconsin if I've got a good economic opportunity? You bet I do. And so for us, that's really what we've been thinking about is this idea of how can Southeastern Wisconsin be a magnet for talent uh, in, in um, drawing others from, the, from, I'll call it sort of the, the, the upper Midwest. Mm -hmm. Is there somewhat of a kind of a tension? I mean, even before the pandemic, we had a tight labor market and it was you know, hard to, for employers to find um, employees up and down kind of the skill spectrum. Um, and yet your work, you know, is focused on bringing more people, more companies into the region um, that only adds to that competition for talent. Um, but like you were talking about, it seems like you, you need to bring more in to have what you call the thickness um, of opportunity. You want to bring more in, but at the same time, there's a competition for talent. You know, if you, you look, you know, Generac, you know, among the reasons they talked about why they picked South Carolina for a new plant, they said, we're tapped out on the labor force here. We've you know, we think we've gotten as far as we can. Steve Richmond at Milwaukee Tool, you know, has said something similar where he's like, I think we've recruited everyone we can in southeastern Wisconsin. We got to bring, you know, bring more people in. Um, so there's a kind of a tension there of, of you want to bring more, you know, corporate attraction in, but you also don't want to harm the companies here. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good question. And I like how you put it, Arthur, that there's a tension that's there because you're right. So if I'm running a company and I've got, you know, 60 job openings and I can't fill those openings, I can absolutely see why they pick up the biz times and they see that uh, here's a new company coming into Southeastern Wisconsin that has exactly the same talent needs as they do. You can see why someone raises their hand and, and, and maybe is a little troubled by that. And I do get the occasional call from companies about that or somebody that I'm at, a, at an event and they'll, they'll you know, it's, it's a pretty pleasant conversation and then it turns to that. Um, so I totally understand why that is. And so it's not a process that is, it, it's not a straight line in terms of how this goes. And so sort of think about the stock market. The stock market goes up, the stock market goes down. But if you look at the broader trend, it's positive. Um, what I'm getting at with that analogy is there, there, there are going to be times when we're going to be short. There's going to be certain kinds of positions that we have this amount of um, supply and the demand is higher and there's a delta that's in there. But the overall thought is, is that over time, we'll be able to fill some of those deltas if we're able to attract more people to come here. So that's one part of it. But the second part of it is, and this is a really important piece, and that is how do we reskill the, the population that we have today? So one of the things that we sell, and it, and it really does resonate with, with folks, is 
just the strong work ethic that's here. That has not disappeared from southeastern Wisconsin, and that is a differentiator. We are known as a place, people who are loyal and people who are work hard. So we have the bodies. What we need is to be able to align some of the skill sets that they have, utilizing, use that, that good work ethic, and then move into areas where there's going to be more demand for talent. So again, it's not a perfect process. It's not one where we're claiming that we've got all the answers here. But I think as you start to piece these things together, we think it has the ability to provide a, a better talent solution for us in the long term. Um, the other thing I'll tell you is, and it's true in the corporate expansion game and attraction game, it's certainly true in talent attraction, it's competitive. So what I mean by that is, you don't necessarily have to solve all the problems. You just have to run a little bit faster than the places that we're competing against. So part of my job, I get, I didn't do it so much during COVID, of course, but a big part of my job, I'm traveling um, extensively meeting with companies. So I get a chance to see other parts of the world. And the thing I'll tell you, Arthur, every single region, yeah, there's nobody that thinks they have this figured out the talent piece of it? Do they have enough people? So I think as we start to think about how we innovate and how we bring more people here, how we upskill, it really is a question of we just need to do it a little bit better than the next guy. Mm -hmm. And it, it seems that the, you know, the talent piece, especially kind of the reskilling and, and upskilling or whatever it might be, is there isn't a silver bullet. There's not one magic program that's going to you know solve it all. It's going to be a multitude of different things that that get someone trained up, that tap into, you know, labor pools that may be on the sideline or um, underutilized or whatever it might be. There's, it's gotta be, you know, lots of different pieces that it's it's not one, you know, singular thing that, that fixes it. Yeah, I, I think that's really um, a, 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 an astute observation because uh, we're, we're all kidding ourselves if we believe that there's just a, a magic bullet solution. And even if we were to be able to find that solution, the way how quickly everything is evolving, that solution will be irrelevant in two years. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just something that we've got to keep an eye on and we have to continue to innovate and evolve and sort of think through how do we continue to stay just one or two steps ahead of the other places that we're competing against. Um, I think workforce development is probably the area of economic development that can be most humbling. It, it is it is not an easy thing to do. Um, I mean, if you, you look at look at the um, the command economy in China, um, workforce is a little easier there because you have the ability as a government to allocate resources into specific industries and then to bring labor along with it. So you will do this job and you will uh, have these skills and we will train you in this way. Obviously, we don't have that here. And so as a result, it's a process that's just a little bit more difficult to work through. But again, it's just something that we absolutely have got to keep our eye on because it's it's really the lifeblood of corporate development is can they find the talent that they need? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a good reminder that we're competing in a global environment too. Um, curious how the work, how your work has changed kind of over the last year with the pandemic. I mean, it, uh, corporate attraction, you know, would seem like the kind of thing that, um, in a pandemic would kind of be, the brakes would be hit pretty hard. Um, there, but I think I've heard you talk about, you know, it, that it isn't, it hasn't quite dried up, you know, that, that people are still looking to expand that when you look at the economy now, there's lots of, you know, growth potential there. 
Um, so what's kind of, how's, how did things change over the last year? Yeah. So um, you know, I'm positive. Um, our travel budget is pretty healthy. <laughs> we, <laughs> we haven't had to spend down a lot of that, a lot of Zoom meetings and, and stuff to, being done virtually. But one of the things that we, we've, we, we have heard this from a number of different site selectors is we are one of the very few regions in the United States that has continued through COVID the, the attraction and expansion work and the results unabated. And so we've continued to be able to put deals together. Um, now, there was a time, I'd say probably March, April, May of 2020, um, none of us in our lifetimes, at least not most of us have ever been through a pandemic. And so how, how does that impact an economy? I don't think anybody really had a good sense. And so, you know, every letter in the alphabet, somebody put that as the, the representing the type of, of, of recovery, recovery expected. Oh, it's going to be a V recovery. And the next guy, no, it's a K recovery. And so I think as we were sort of figuring all that stuff out, um, and it took a little bit of time, we got through sort of May. And I think a number of different companies that we were working with, they had pushed that pause button, but they had pushed play again by May. So we stayed in touch with them. I think they started to understand how the pandemic was going to affect their supply chains, number one. So long before I think we were thinking about this as a health crisis in the United States, our companies were a window into it in Asia because it was disrupting supply chains all over the place. So they got a hold of their um, what those supply chain vulnerabilities were. They also then started to understand how it would impact their own workforce here um, and also how it would affect demand for their products. And so what came out of that was a number of different companies realized that it really wasn't going to affect them at all. As a matter of fact, for some, it would, there was some upside. So certainly we are highly sympathetic to restaurants, retail, um, hospitality. These are all industries that have really been devastated. Um, but for the most part in this region, what drives this region is manufacturing and financial services. And much of that work has just continued on. So we've seen all the deals that we put together in 2019. So companies like Komatsu Mining, um, Milwaukee Tools, certainly Nexus Pharmaceuticals, Haribo, just to name a few, those projects, the buildings that they were uh, erecting across the region, those projects continued on. Mm -hmm. So that was a really good sign. And then also we've been able to, you know, continue to have a full pipeline of projects that we're working on and, you know, fingers crossed, I think we'll have some pretty interesting announcements here in the next six months or so. Is there anything you mentioned, you know, the restaurants and retail side of things? I mean, is there anything that M7 can or should be doing there? Or is it mostly a matter of, you know, if you focus on the work of, of the man, bringing in manufacturing companies, bringing in, you know, um, bringing in new new growth that should serve to help those companies? And that's that's the, your lane to run um, going forward. Yeah, that's, I like the way you put it, that really is our lane, is sort of thinking about what we call them regional income producers. So by that, what we mean is whatever they do, product or service uh, that they offer to their customers, those customers are located some, somewhere outside this region. So it's not serving a population base that's here, it's serving customers that, you know, they might be a few states away, they might be uh, overseas somewhere. But what that does is that brings job income and investment back into this region. That's what grows 
the, the regional economy. So we tend to focus on that area, but we've been very supportive of WEDC in the work that they've done, um, as well as the city of Milwaukee, other entities that have, have tried to offer different forms of COVID relief. And I think one of the stories that's gonna come out of this pandemic, um, a lot of lessons learned uh, for any number of folks around the world, but one of the things that I think we've really done well here is, and I speak for uh, this, not just here in Wisconsin, but nationally, the amount of money that was put into the economy to help companies make it through. Um, so the ones that you're referencing, a lot of retail, a lot of hospitality, restaurants, those sorts of things. Um, I, I don't believe that the damage was anywhere near what it would have been if those bridges had not been built over a period of time. So I think our policymakers deserve a pat on the back for really some terrific work and some risk that they took to keep things moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was looking through some PPP data earlier today and just the number and the you know, the volume of, of loans and the volume of of dollars, you know, and that's just one of the programs. There's, you know, so many others as well. Um, wanted to touch on one area of, of economic development that sometimes gets some scrutiny and that's, you know, tax incentives and, and people look and say, you know, why does a giant company that's, that's doing well financially, why does, why does, why do we need to put public dollars towards that? And I, you know, I always go back to, I think a couple of years ago, you and I talked for a cover story I did on kind of ta on tax incentives and, you know, part of it is, uh, everyone else can do it as well. And so, you know, do you unilaterally disarm? What, how do you respond when people ask that question of, you know, why, why should the state give a subsidy to like a Milwaukee tool, which is a fast growing, profitable, you know, incredible company and the state supporting that growth? Um, is that something we should be doing? It's a fair question. And, and it's a question that I believe reasonable people can disagree. Um, from our chair, as we think about incentives, there's two components of it, one of which you hit on, and it's just the whole idea of that's how the game is played. So it, we can, as you put it, could we, we, would, we would disarm, and if we disarm, we can just expect to lose because it is a part of the calculation and it's part of the decision-making process that any company is going to go through. And so you sort of think about the value. If someone's investing, a company is investing tens of millions of dollars into a facility, there's hundreds and sometimes thousands of people that get employed, that has economic value for a place. Um, and that, that value spreads all, out all over. So when, when we were working um, with Milwaukee Tool on the city of Milwaukee expansion, the building that they bought on Michigan Street, one of the things we did is we had Baker Tilly do an economic impact analysis that looked at having 1,200 employees domiciled at an office in downtown Milwaukee. Annual economic impact just in Milwaukee County alone is $935 million. So there's all number of other jobs and benefits that come as a result of having that sort of uh, a corporate presence in a place. And so for us, there's a return on investment and a lot of, a lot of, um, of public entities see it the same way. So that's the first component of it. But the second part of it is, um, sure, there's a number of companies that have very strong top lines. Uh, they make uh, or they bring in a lot of revenue. But as they think about where to place investments, there's a business case that has to be made and it's competitive. So they could do this in any number of different locations and those locations have cost factors that go along with it. 
And so as companies think about where to place it or whether to do a project even in the first place, there is a business case that has to be outlined and made and the incentives can factor into that. They can be something that tilts the balance towards A, doing the project at all and B, doing it in one chosen locale versus another. So, you know, I think, I think most economic developers, if they were honest, they'd tell you um, if, if they all went away, these incentives completely went away, um, then I think most of us would, would be okay with that. Um, I don't think there'd be any issues that we would have, but I don't see that happening anytime <laughs> soon. So I think, you know, I, I, I operate in the world as it's presented to me, not the world as I wish it existed. <laughs> so I, I think there, that's going to continue to be part of that landscape. All righty. Well, um, I think that about wraps it up for me. Um, Jim, is there anything else, you know, people should expect in the coming months uh, from M7, from um, MAC, that kind of thing that we should be looking out for? Oh, we got all kinds of fun stuff planned, Arthur. There's always interesting things that we're working on. Um, a number of interesting projects, as I mentioned, that we've got on the corporate expansion and attraction front. I think um, one of the things that M7 is most proud of is, is the economic trajectory that uh, was in this region for the last 10 years or so. It has really put us on the map in terms of corporate decision makers uh, really all over the world. I'm always so gratified when I go places and I tell people that I'm from Milwaukee, that company, you know, people running companies in Europe and Asia and other parts of the United States, they know about us. They know about some of the investments that have happened here and they're always interested to learn and hear more. So I think really for us, the things that we're thinking about in the future are how do we continue to build on that momentum? How do we continue to be a talent destination, attracting more investment from companies? It creates more prosperity that gets spread across the region. And, you know, for us, that that's what it's all about. All righty. Well, Jim Page, thank you so much for joining me on the BizTimes MKE podcast. You're welcome, Arthur. Always a pleasure to talk to you. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to BizTimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.